Let's get real. Who wants to have another surface level conversation? Not us. I'm Samantha. And I'm Christian. Two friends having raw but truth-filled conversations about the messiness of life. So buckle up and don't be shy. Because, yep, we're We're going going there. there. Hello, everyone. We are back again. Episode two of our series. Wow. We're glad you came back. Just chugging right along. I know. So we are a few weeks into our series where is Jesus locked out? And we're excited that we're kind of just chugging through on some topics. In our intro, we gave you kind of a heads up of what we'd be talking about. And so last week we went through ourselves, me, your identity, all of that. And this week we're going to be covering relationships. And so we're excited to dive in. Are you excited, Samantha? I'm excited. I am excited. We told you guys we're kind of taking turns leading these conversations. So if you're wondering why you're pretty much only hearing Christian talk on this episode or maybe only me on the last, that's why. But it's fun to just get to like jump in and listen and learn and be a listener like you all are. And I also feel like relationships is kind of weighty because it just encompasses so much. Well, it's funny because when we split these up, we kind of had no intent in like why we split them up. We were just like, which ones do you want to do? Which ones do I want to do? And feel like relationships are kind of my jam in yeah. good or bad ways. I am a huge extrovert. I love people. And so here we are diving into relationships. Yeah, basically Christian is saying I'm horrible at relationships. No, I don't have no, no, friends no, 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 and no. they're not mine. No, I just feel like everyone's always like, you have so many friends and I just love people. That's my thing. But you guys know this ongoing there. It's also the thing I can also have a lot of identity in in a bad ways too. And so... It's good for me to be reminded in relationships. But I think it's appropriate that last week we dove into ourselves and our identity. We talked a lot about coming into that place of if Jesus is Lord over yourself and your identity and who you believe you are to be, that you're going to have humility. You're going to understand that he has bigger plans and a better plan for your life. And I think we kind of have to start there to then move into relationships, thinking now outwardly about ourselves, that We have to have that same idea of humility and just understanding who God is as Lord in your life to then also say, I want him to be Lord of my relationships. We all grew up on the golden rule of like treating others as you like to be treated. I think Samantha, she like can remember that sign in your school. You've mentioned that many times. That's not the sign. Is it the golden rule? No. Oh, which one is it? The sign that I always talk about that's really stuck with me was characters who you are when no one's watching. Okay. Well, (laughs) mine is the golden rule. I can imagine it in my second grade classroom in the corner. It's like, treat others how you want to be treated. Surprised they put that in like a public school. Oh, I think the golden rule is like universal. True. But I mean, calling it the golden rule is from the Bible, right? Yes. It's in scripture. Like this is the golden rule. So anyways, if you can think about it, if you grew up as a 90s child, you can probably see the poster in like the corner of your room. And it said like treat others as you would like to be treated. And so even just starting there, talking through that until we give Jesus like lordship over our relationships, then we're not going to have an idea of how we should think about other people. If we're still confused about, is this person like worth my time or what value does this person bring to me? We're going to have a really hard time loving others, people, as Jesus calls us to love them. And so I even just wanted to start there, like all of the relationships that we can think of in our lives. I was like making a list. I'm like, oh gosh, there's like so many, but we are talking about friendships. We're talking about marriage and relationships with our spouse talking about family members, talking about our children, if you have those, talking about people in authority, our relationships with people who are maybe over us, if that could be a boss or even just people in general. If you live in like a society, obviously, like governors or people like that who you're in relationship with, our neighbors, people who you see 
day in, day out. I thought about strangers, how you treat and how you love and care for people who you just run into every day. That could be in the Starbucks line, that could be in the grocery store, that could be your trash man or whoever that you just see in your day-to-day life. We have relationships with people who we look up to or who look up to us. Maybe you mentor people or disciple people. And so how do you treat those people? And then dating relationships too. In a few weeks, we're actually covering the topic of sexuality. And so we'll talk more about specifically dating relationships and that, but obviously a lot of different types of relationships that we can be in, which even as I mentioned those, I'm like, oh shoot, there's so many dynamic things to relationships that you can see some of these relationships are simple. Some of them are complex. Some of them are almost transactional. Trash man, I wave to him every single Wednesday morning. I don't even know his name, but we wow, have a relationship. I never see my kind. trash truck come by. Oh, really? Mm-mm. Oh. Does yours come in the morning? Mm-hmm. Mine comes like mid-morning, so I'm like never outside or home. Oh, yeah. Ours comes at like 820. Okay. So I'm like normally like packing up the kids. Gotta so get that that's like out. a transactional relationship. And then some of these relationships are really intimate. So even in this list, we can all agree that relationships are tricky. To be honest, when we started this podcast almost two years ago now, friendship is still the number one topic people always want us to cover. A few weeks ago, we had a conversation with our friend Lynn, who's a counselor. We talked about boundaries in relationships. I mean, we can all agree there's a lot of tension around relationships, but it's also no surprise because we're built for relationship that God himself is in relationship with his son and the Holy Spirit. And so we are built for relationship. We're built for connection. And so when we have disconnection or conflict in relationship, it can be hard. But we're not just here to talk about the hard things about relationship, but that's just a part of it. I wanted to start there. Like, what are some of the hard things about relationships? Why are we so obsessed with I don't know, talking about relationships. So why do we all need all of this help talking about relationships? And I think the number one thing I thought was took me back to like early on dating my husband. And you just see like the best in these people that you think, oh my gosh, like he's perfect. He can do no wrong. And then we enter into engagement and marriage and I'm quickly like, oh man, this person's messy. (laughs) So I think it's really a hard thing. So going into like intimacy of a relationship that the closer you get to someone, the more mess you see of them. And I think that can be hard because you think, oh, this person's perfect. And then you're like, oh, shoot, they're not. I mean, like you thought I was perfect when you first met me. And now you're like, oh, shoot, we're not. Yeah. And it's just interesting just to note, too, as I'm hearing you share all this, when we go back to the whole title of the series and like what it's called is like locking Jesus out. Like, I think we see often maybe they're relationships that we've just had for forever. So it's almost like, okay, I know this is really unhealthy, but it's just this is how it's always been and the way it's always going to be. Or maybe it's a relationship where we're like, well, I really like how this relationship is operating, even if I know it's not God's design for me with a friend or with a boyfriend or with whoever, but I like it. And so we lock him out. So like kind of going back to not only why are relationships hard, but like why do we tend to push them outside of the view of, this is how God designed relationships to look. And like, this is how we say, no, I don't want that. I want to push them aside. I think it's just easy to do that as equally as they're hard. It's like easier to to even not like God be a part of them. Yeah. And again, kind of how we wanted to categorize some of these episodes, we've chosen relationships because I think it's easy to lock Jesus out of relationships. I think it's easy to say, I want you to be Lord over my life. I want you to be Lord over my finances. I want you to be Lord over my time. But with people, well, no, I don't need to treat people how you would always treat them, Jesus. I don't need to love them exactly how you would always love them because they're too hard or like you don't know how bad that person's hurt me or you don't know what they've done to me or you don't know the history that we have. Reality is he does know all those things. 
And so how are we supposed to enter into this and say, no, Jesus, I want you to reign and rule in my relationships. I want you to rule in how I think about these people and how I interact with these people, how I talk to these people, how I think of these people. And I think it's really hard when then messy things enter into that. So yeah, first off, the closer you get to someone, it's going to get more messy. I think another one is a toxic relationship. I've kind of put quotes around this. We've explored this topic a lot, so I'm not going to go too in depth here. But with a relationship that's unhealthy or toxic to you, I think culturally that's a really popular term right now. And so I think we kind of need to be careful with how we use that. But this idea of they don't serve me, they're toxic to me, they only bring bad things to me. How do we think about that? We've talked about this both in just our How to Love Hard People episode and then our episode a while back with Julie Pleggins. But that just makes it really hard when you say, well, do I really need to love this person that only brings hard things to my life? Do I really need to love them if all they bring to me is discomfort or I have to give a lot and they serve me in no way? Again, there's a lot of caveats to what I'm saying there, but that's another hardship or like trouble in a relationship. I think the next is boundaries. We recently talked with our friend. I already said that, Lynn, a few weeks ago about this. But I think one hardship in relationships and when you're saying, "Eh, do I really want God to rule in this area of my life is saying, well, I think they're crossing that boundary for me or they put up these boundaries that don't allow me to love them. And so I think that makes relationships complicated, as we talked about in our conversation with Lynn, which I encourage you to go listen to. They get complicated when our boundaries look different or when people don't have clear boundaries or maybe there's no boundaries at all. Or again, there's been missed expectations there. There's a lot to unpack, but that makes relationships really, really hard. And then I think all of these things bring in that relationships are with people. Relationship is your dynamic with another person. And because we're broken people, we're going to enter into conflict. And so then there's conflict and there's disagreement and there's navigating forgiveness or what does it look like to do that? And that's just like a whole other thing because I think everyone does that differently too. I think another thing I hear often about relationships and why they're hard is that, especially in this time of life, we're young moms. Yes, we've been married for eight years, but we're younger moms. We're still learning a lot about life and we live in a really transient place. And so people will say, well, she just does that really differently than me or she thinks about that really differently than me. And so when talking about relationships, are we really allowing us to be open-minded and think through things differently and love people who may do things differently than they, than we do. Maybe it could be as simple as, oh, that family spends their time differently than they do. They like to be outside a lot and I hate being outside. Or it could be as that serious. feels personal. because well, No, or it could <laughs> be kidding. as serious as they spend their money really differently than we do. And we don't spend our money that way. And we think how they're doing that is wrong or whatever it may be. And so I think there's a lot of big dynamics in that of they think or do something differently. And so in all these areas and friendship. I just have something to say about that. I recently had this epiphany that people that I hear, I actually recently heard someone say like, well, they're just so different than me. Or they like think so differently than me that we cannot click. And there is some truth to that. This person was valid in that, but I was almost thinking No, but like that is also a difference in how we have perspective of I want to be surrounded actually by a lot of people who do life differently than me because God didn't call us to relationship with people who are like clones of exactly who we are. That's putting ourselves in this little bubble. And then how are we pressed into? How do we change and shape and grow? And so like that's just a realization I'm having recently. We should want to be around people that are different than us, but then that makes certain dynamics harder. I love that you said that because I even think like in my immediate friend group, one thing I love about it, too, is that a lot of us are really different. And I think that's so cool because a lot of times when you discuss something or we talk about something, it brings perspective that I don't have 
to a topic or an idea or just someone's perspective about something. I'm like, oh, I never saw it that way. And I think it's a really dangerous game to get into if we're only willing to be friends or be in community with people who look or act or talk or think exactly like us. And we'll dig more into that of what we see, how we see Jesus interact with people in the Bible too. And that's the complete opposite of how he did it. And so if our lives are to emulate him, then we have to have relationships that look different and we have to enter into those with grace and humility and kindness, which I think is just easier said than done. So I know the list could go on and on with problems or hardships and relationships. And just as you think about your own lives, what makes those difficult or hard? But Samantha, what do you think? Again, you and I are do this podcast and we're asked all the time, can you cover relationships again? Can you cover friendships? Why do you think or what do you think makes relationships so hard? I do think it could be different for most people. But I think for me and probably a lot of us, if we dug down to think about it, it's that we have expectations for how a relationship should work, how a friendship should treat us, how a person should respond to our hurt or our anger, how a husband should treat us, how our kid's teacher should interact with us, engage with us. And there are like a million different ways during the day that my expectations of others in relationships are broken or like cracked in little ways. And so I think that for me is why relationships get tricky and hard because we set these expectations that are uncommunicated, which makes them then unrealistic. And we then expect people to treat us going back to the golden rule. It's like we expect other people to treat us in a way that is so far from how we're engaging and thinking through treating others. And so it's like this uneven constant battle of I deserve to be treated in this great way. And again, as we covered ourselves or me, myself and my identity last week, I think it's a perfect segue into relationships with people, because until we understand our identity in Christ alone, then we're going to move into friendships. If we don't have that initial view of ourselves, we're also going to then have a skewed idea of people and the role that people play in our lives. And so I just did some digging even. What in the Bible do we see as Jesus either how does he describe relationships or where do we see him in relationships? And you see all of these examples. I want you to listen to all of these words and descriptors that he uses. He talks about relationships growing. He talks about relationships restoring. He talks about relationships healing. He, in Romans, talks about relationships hold on and cling to. In Romans 12.10, he talks about relationships bringing life. Relationships bring intimacy. In John 15, 12, my command is to love one another as I have loved you. Luke 6, 31, to do others as you would have them do unto you. Golden rule. In Corinthians, do everything in love. And a friend loves at all times, even an adversary. And so I think even just when you go through all those descriptors, I think a lot of us have these problems with relationships. And we say problems and hardships and they're tough and they're dynamic and they're a roller coaster and they're up and down. But then in the Bible, we see Jesus describe relationships as everything but that he describes relationships and being in community as calm and kind and loving and peaceful and caring. And the bummer is, as we live in a broken world, we live in a world with sin, not as he intended it, but we as humans broke that. And so I think then our challenge is how do we bridge this gap between how God intended us to be in community, but then also dealing with broken people. And it's just hard. It's hard. And we just don't want to do it sometimes. Sometimes I think about that, especially with, okay, your marriage, you have to deal with that. Your kids, you have to deal with it. Sometimes there's weeks where I'm like, I don't have the emotional capacity or energy to like deal. Like there are literally moments where maybe some like hardships are going on with friends or like there's family dynamics that are difficult that I'm like, 
I wish I could just escape to a different place where just Justin and I and our little family could live life and not know anyone. But like that is clearly not how we're commanded to live. No, it just would be easier sometimes. Yep. So speaking of, I love that you brought up expectation earlier because recently I've been convicted, even of my expectations of God, of do I live out of God's actual promises for me or do I have actually skewed expectations of who God should be for me in my life because of like culture? And so I think we kind of have to do that with community too. We have to go back to say like, what examples do we see in the Bible? How do we see Jesus interact and describe relationships in the Bible? And am I actually expecting that? in my life? Or am I expecting something different than how he describes community? And so I first wanted to talk about the way that Jesus calls us to himself. That's the first relationship that we are in. If you call yourself a Christian, it's all about building and growing in your intimacy and relationship with God and with his son, Jesus. And so that example you see probably most commonly, or we're probably most familiar with Matthew eleven twenty eight and 29. And so I wanted to read that now. It says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so the very first relationship we're called into as humans and as followers of Christ is with him. And how does Jesus say that, sir? How does Jesus call to us. He says, come to me. I actually looked it up and it was like over 53 times. It says, call upon me, come to me. You see him say, spend time with me. You see him say, be with me. And so relationships are going to take a lot of time. And I think a lot of time we think relationships are going to just spark overnight. It's either going to be easier. It's going to be no work at all. And I think that's just really unrealistic that even in our relationship with Jesus, he has to tell us over and over and over and over again as his children, come to me, come spend time with me. And I think that has to be the first example that we use in building what other relationships in our life should look like. I wanted to go through a few other examples just in the Bible of what we see the point of relationships and what we see in actual times when Jesus was involved in building or growing or refining relationships. Because I think, again, a lot of us think, oh, relationships are just going to be fun. They're going to be easy. They're going to be a relationship should be easier. I hear that a lot. Oh, well, if your dating relationship isn't fun or easy, then it's like wrong, which there is some truth to that. Maybe don't start fighting the first week and then think that's a good match. But But it's hard. It was so easy for me to get examples, and I just pulled some that I felt like were pretty easy or a lot of people would know. And so the first I thought was Ruth and Naomi. If you guys know the story at all, Naomi was the older woman. Ruth is her daughter-in-law. So you have like a mother-in-law and a daughter-in-law relationship, and both of their husbands have died. And Naomi tells Ruth, go back to your mom. I'm no good for you. Well, actually, she had another daughter-in-law, too, that yes. she was like, both of you go back yes, to your both homeland. Both of you go back home because she's like, hey, at this point, obviously, in biblical days, your husband has passed away. That's the breadwinner for your home. Normally, a woman is not in a good position once her husband has passed away because he's the one who is providing for their family and doing all those things. And so Naomi says, no, go back home. Go to your birth mother. I am no good for you anymore. And you see this example of Ruth saying, Do not press me to go back and abandon you. Wherever you will go, I will go. Wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die and I will be buried there. May the Lord do this to me and more, even if death separates me from you. So that's in Ruth 1.16. And I think in this example of this relationship, you see beautiful pictures of loyalty and commitment and wisdom. And so Ruth is saying, 
no, 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 I will not abandon you. I'm committed to you. I'm willing to put in the work. Even if that looks like death for us, I am committed to loyalty with you. And so you see this example of Ruth is really clinging to this family that she has now created through marriage, even after her husband has passed away. And so I think what we can learn in that example of relationship is that there's faithfulness when things get hard or when you disagree. The faithfulness can still hold true in relationships because that's what the Lord calls us to in relationship. I think the second example was one of David and Jonathan. This story is Jonathan's dad, this was King Saul, was after David. And Jonathan and David are friends. And this is in 1 Samuel 18. And so this story is one where Jonathan goes to great, 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 great lengths to protect David. Essentially, Saul goes and tries to kill David multiple times through multiple different scenarios. And over and over again, Jonathan says, like, no, I will fight for you. I will get you through this. You will live. And so Jonathan actually ends up passing away and David looks after Jonathan's kids. And you see this in the Bible for years and years and years to come that he says, no, I will be with you and God will be with you. And so we get in this relationship, we get a beautiful picture of, again, loyalty that God uses friendships to make us stronger And he helps us get through hardships with people, that he gives us people to strengthen us in times of hardship. I could go on and on about this story. It's pretty dramatic and dynamic because literally Saul is trying to kill David. But you can see that through relationship, Jesus is saying, no, I'm with you. And Jonathan's saying, we can do this together. Do you have anything to say? (laughs) I feel like I'm talking so much. Well, they're just examples like I don't have anything to add. Yeah. Okay. Do you want me to add something? No, I'm out of breath. Are you okay? Like yeah. you said, your voice is shaking. I'm out of breath. Take a breath. Sorry, just the examples. I don't really have anything else to add. No, it's okay. And then third example I wanted to go through again was Mary and Martha. We talked about this actually on a few episodes back a few weeks ago because I thought it was a good example of just relationships calling you out and challenging you to make you better. And so this is probably a story that you have already heard, but Jesus comes to Mary and Martha's home. Mary sits at Jesus's feet and just wants to be with him. And Martha's running around the house, cleaning up, doing all the things. And so we hear Martha complain to Jesus and say, like, why aren't you telling Mary to help me? Like, I'm trying to serve you and make my home this peaceful place for you. And she's doing nothing. She's just like sitting there. And Jesus says, No, like she's actually doing the right thing. She's actually just here spending time with me. And so I think we see this example that in relationship, God calls us to sharpen one another. That Proverbs 27, 17 talks about iron sharpening iron. And so relationships are also meant to make us better, to challenge us. My husband makes fun of me because I love a good challenging relationship. I once told Samantha that she was my most challenging friend and she took it like really poorly. And I was like, oh, I don't mean challenging. Yeah, what do you say it like that? I was like, I meant you're the person who challenges me the most. And given my personality, I love to be challenged. And so I think we have to understand that this is how Jesus built us in relationships. And so again, taking all these examples, if we think that relationships are just going to be something that are kind of like happy-go-lucky and nothing ever goes wrong or no one ever calls us out or no one ever fights for us or it's going to be perfect. And so we never have to like sit with people in hard things. I think in all of these examples, we see actually the complete opposite. And I think, again, calling this out is your expectation for how Jesus defines relationships that heal and restore and grow. Is that how you actually act out of your relationships? Or do you actually act out of something that maybe culture has painted for you? In your relationships. Well, first of all, going back to the challenging thing, I mean, you've all heard the teachers saying like, well, they're my challenging kid. It's like, okay, well, that's not a great way to like pump me up in friendship, but it's okay. 
Well, yeah, I meant it as like a good thing. No, I'm like I love a good challenging when you, friend. When you explain it, yeah, I think the iron sharpens iron. The Mary and Martha example—that's where, to me, thinking about real life friendship, that's where they stop a lot of times because one bit of conflict or like one bit of challenge can't be viewed anymore as oh, we can work through this. It's more like an opportunity for an out, or it's like so hard that both parties don't want to deal with the mess, so it's easier to just walk away. Because I can think about friendship in my past where I just had an immaturity or neither one of us were willing to step into the mess and say, hey, let's like move past this. I've talked about examples of friends of mine. We all have relationships where there's something that happens and then that person comes to you in a humble, gracious, kind way and like says, hey, you've hurt me. And then it gives that opportunity for the friendship to be restored. And then we all know that feeling of how much stronger your relationship is on the other side. And so That's just such a good example. If you really want genuine true friendship, just be prepared that at some point there's going to be a bump. Christian and I kept joking that we had been friends for how many years now? Like, I don't know, like seven, eight years. We hadn't ever really had like a big disagreement. Obviously, we have like little bickering things or like things we don't fully agree on. But like we're both people that can just take that and move on. But we had like our first fight probably this year. Honestly, going back to that too, in that moment that we were disagreeing, and we had hurt each other, we were able to literally say it in the moment. And then we both said, okay, yeah, there's been words that have hurt. Step away from that. We apologized right in the moment. And then we also then left. I got in my car, I left. And like, we were both able to process. And literally immediately we're like, I love you so much. I'm so sorry. So much restoration, literally within, okay, it wasn't like a huge hurt, obviously, because there's trust. And if you hurt me in a massive way, that would be a different story. But it was just such a beautiful example. Oh, you can like say something that is hurtful. And instead of on your end, burying that and not bringing it up, you could have then like created bitterness towards me, which eventually I think if I said the 17th hurtful thing that not knowing that was hurting you, you would have just been like, I'm done with this friendship. I'm going to start distancing myself. And then that's just so unhealthy. Going back to this topic, we chose relationships as one of these areas that we're like, are you actually giving Jesus keys to this room in your life. Because I think it's easy to say, yeah, I give him all my relationships. But then we come into conflict with people and we're like, oh my gosh, I'm going to just get rid of her in my life because that's not worth it for me. Or like, I don't have the energy to go through that conflict with her. Or she's so different from me. I don't need to press in. And I think we just see so many examples in the Bible. I mean, I pulled those couple out, but I could have gone through for many, many more examples of just relationships that we see. And so it's not really like if relationships are going to get hard or messy, but like when are they going to get hard and messy? Because even in all those three relationships, we saw things that were difficult and painful and hard. One thing I wanted to say as you were saying that, if I think a red flag for maybe you're not pressing into relationships the way that the Bible asks us to, commands us to, how Jesus tells us to, is that if you can say, I don't have any relationship in my life that has ever felt tense or hard or stressful, then they're probably all pretty really surface level relationships even your marriage, like that would be a red flag to me. Is there never something that you're having to bring to the table that should be happening? Or can you never be refined by someone else or called out by someone else without getting super defensive? I think that would be another major, yes, red flag from that dynamic too. That's good. And so again, not when relationships are going to get hard and messy, but if relationships go to hard and messy, like what are we called to do? And so 2 Corinthians 2.5 is the title of this part. I'm reading the New Living Translation version of it, just so you guys know, because I liked the wording of it. The header of this section was forgiveness for the sinner. 
So even in that header, recognizing we are all sinners, you are not perfect, your friend's not perfect, that we're all sinners, we're going to fail one another. And so I even just liked that header. And this is verse 5 through 11. So this is 2 Corinthians 2, 5. Starting with verse 5, the title of this section is called Forgiveness of the Sinner. I am not overstating it when I say that the man who has caused all of the trouble hurt all of you more than he hurt me. Most of you opposed him, and that was punishment enough. Now, however, it is time to forgive and comfort him. Otherwise, he may be overcome by discouragement. So I urge you now to reaffirm your love for him. I wrote to you as I did to test you and see if you would fully comply with my instructions. When you forgive this man, I forgive him too. And when I forgive whatever needs to be forgiven, I do so with Christ's authority for your benefit so that Satan will not outsmart us, for we are familiar with this evil schemes. So I just loved these verses because we have, again, talked a lot. We have other episodes about forgiveness, but I just loved this because he is literally commanding us, you are called into forgiveness that after you forgive them, I forgive them. And this actually helps all of us move more towards Christ and less away from the schemes of Satan. And I just think that's really powerful. If you think about it in that way, the forgiveness is never easy. It's normally always hard because you have to lay aside your own desires or your own want for justice or like almost a vindictive way to going to say vindication. Else. Yeah. And I think that's just so powerful that God is saying, no, you forgive. So then I forgive and we can all move towards a better and more redeeming and rest being more restored in our relationship towards Christ. And, and so I just love how he put it. And I thought it was really encouraging. And so when we hurt others or when others hurt us, that we are called to move towards forgiveness and reconciliation in that. And so what does that look like? Because I think it's easy to say, I mean, obviously it's circumstantial with everything that is going on in that dynamic, but I thought this was really good in Philippians 2, 5 through 8. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature, God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And so in those few little verses, we see that we are called to have humility, to be loving, to express care, and have compassion. And so I think, how do we respond when relationships are hard or messy? I mean, I think in a perfect world, we could all say we have humility and love and care and compassion. And I think we all kind of say that, like, obviously, we're not going to do that perfectly. But then I'm like, but that's what the Bible calls us to. The Bible calls us to, if you are going to say, Lord, you have reign, you have rule over how I want to interact with people, how I want to treat people, how I want to think about people, how I want to love people, people I know really well or people who I don't know very well, but I encounter my daily life, that we are called to do that in humility, love, care, and having compassion. Samantha, do you have any times that, I don't know if you can think about just a time that you experienced reconciliation or forgiveness in a friendship that did transform it in this way? Because I think I can think of many in my life and it's been a game changer in those dynamics. Yeah, I can't think of any like drastic examples. Like there's no one in my life that I've been in this like huge feud with. (laughs) And then we come to the table and like are able to forgive and move on. I have a weird thing where like I just hate the feeling of there being like unfinished ends or what's that phrase? Untied ends. Tethered or. Yeah, I know there's been people we've distanced or but I would just hope that there wasn't any untalked about unresolved feelings left but I think I've mentioned it a lot and she's actually been on the podcast our friend Morgan there was a time a few years ago probably like three years ago now that I just felt like I wasn't 
being a good friend. And another mutual friend of ours had confronted me about that in like the most humble, gracious, kind way. And it was actually one of the first times that I felt like a friend had confronted me about something and done it in a way that I literally had no other choice but to respond with empathy and being so apologetic because I had remembered other times in my 20s or in college or in high school, especially when someone would be like, you have hurt me. It's like so accusatory. It's like their hurt is trying to make you feel that same amount of hurt. And so you immediately go on the defense. I always immediately was like, okay, well, you're just crazy. You're just ticked off. Like, I don't want to be well, around their that. defensiveness and anger is only going to make you defensive and anger. Right. And it never like angry. accomplishing. <laughs> and there was probably sometimes then that I would leave and we'd both be heated then. And then I was able to say like, hey, I'm sorry I hurt you or whatever. But then they've hurt me too in that exchange. Or like that happens all the time in our marriage where one of us blows up and then you're not like hearing what the person's hurt by. I'm like, okay, well now when you telling me how horrible I've been, you've just hurt me. Now we're both mad. Great. Okay. So it was like one of the first times I remember her being like, hey, I know you. I know your heart. We've been friends for a long time. I value your friendship so much that I want to bring this to you. Like you haven't been loving me in a way. And it wasn't like a weird expectation for friendship. Like I had legitimately been being like a really bad friend. I had been just sucked into my own life. And again, it's not like I was going through a hard season or something. I was just being a sucky friend. And so I then was talking to our other friend like, hey, I felt convicted to like ask this friend. This friend brought this to me. Do you feel like I've been that way to you too? And just the breath she was able to take him, she literally looked at me and like nodded her head like, yes. And I remember being like, crap, like this day sucks. I was kind of in a selfish way hoping I would ask that. And she'd be like, no, Samantha, like you've been an amazing friend. Like my ego was hurt. There was still this hard part of admitting to this other friend, I'm sorry, I've hurt you and I want to seek apology. And so again, we were able to have a second conversation right there of like, oh my gosh, I know I've been this horrible friend. Will you tell me the way specifically I've hurt you? Like, I want to own up to them. And then again, just the way that that restored both of those friendships. And like, of course, I kind of felt like I had been ran over by a truck at the end of that week because I was like, well, I'm a horrible person. It's like, you realize all the ways that you've been sinning. And I'm like, but instead of just letting my sin like sit and soak into their hearts and then that ruined friendships, those are friends that now three years later, I'm still some of my very best friends. But I love those examples because you said it yourself that because they met you with humility and compassion and love saying like, hey, I want to bring this to you. It's not easy. It's messy. I feel kind of like dumb even for bringing it up. Yeah. And think about the courage it takes from then. Yes. Yeah. But then you kind of said like, I had no option then to do the same. And I think those are all the examples we see in the Bible. We don't see people berating someone else because you hurt my feelings. And well, we do see that, but then it's like a disaster. Yes. I mean, they end up like normally killing each other or something. But all the examples that we see that Jesus is involved with and they're seeking reconciliation and redemption and a friendship, he talks about again that they are here to grow and heal and restore us as human beings. And so are we treating other people and are we giving other people the benefit of the doubt in that way to say, no, I want to enter into this with you. And I want Lord to be ruler of this relationship and how I treat and talk and act with you. And what's weird too about thinking about those two friendships specifically or like I have the same, it's trust too. There's a handful of girls that like I never have to live in fear. You know that? Maybe some of you guys listening, that immature sense in friendship that you're, and I say immature, sorry if you're like, well, that's how I feel in every single friendship I have. I'm picturing, I felt like I grew a maturity in this realization of saying like, 
I don't have to feel like I'm walking on eggshells and friendships of like accidentally ruining it all, blowing it all up, that we're never going to be friends again because those two girls specifically and then my close friends I have are like you. There's like nothing you could tell me that could happen now. They could turn crazy and do something horrific and then whatever. But I'm saying in a general sense, now that I know we've walked through those things and I've gotten to see a picture of how we handled that, it's like, oh, we're probably going to have more times like that again in our life. But like there's no fear in working through that. Well, that has built trust that you feel ultimately and almost unconditionally loved in that friendship that you're like, there is nothing that I could do to hurt you and vice versa. There's nothing you could do to hurt me that we know that deep down we both genuinely care for one another. We love one another. We see value that like Christ gives that person. So you're like, I want to love you the best I can love you. I want to care for you the best I can care for you. And I think that is total freedom in relationship. I mean, I think that's what you're describing there that as Jesus has defined us in relationships and as Christ has displayed for us in relationships, that relationships should bring healing and beauty and fun and all of these great things to our lives instead of all this turmoil. But we should expect the turmoil because we're broken people. And I think that's what makes it hard. And so just to recap again, all of the examples that we see of Jesus in relationship or how he describes relationship that we should and will be challenged in relationships, that we should be held accountable in relationships. The relationships will help us seek wisdom and discern right from wrong, which is a great benefit of relationships, that relationships will command love, that Jesus is our role model in this, but we will be pulled into love and we should be displaying love in our relationships, that in relationships that he commands us not to do life alone and that we're called into this community, that in relationships, family, the idea of brothers and sisters in Christ gets redefined, which is such an awesome example because I think of those people, if you're listening And you do have really broken biological family relationships that the beauty of how Jesus has created relationships is that we get to be called brothers and sisters with people who are also believers. And what a beautiful dynamic those relationships are. We can put other people's needs before our own, that what a loving just freedom and excitement comes from serving other people. And when you get the joy of doing that, just the beauty that you get to see and how God created us for it community. And then that because we can understand the value that Jesus has created these people, my friends, my spouse, the stranger in his image as well, that I get to assume the best of other people. And so I just think of all of these areas of life that when I describe it that way, and when I really dig into the Bible and how Christ calls us into relationships, that is a beautiful and glorious and awesome thing. And am I all the time really saying like, Lord, I want to think those things of my friends. I want to act out of those things in my relationships with them. I want to think about their intentions in that way. And so I think that was really convicting for me and really hard. And so I hope it also did the same thing for you all as we think, is Jesus really Lord over my relationships? Hey, thanks for going there with us. If you loved what you heard, don't forget to follow along with us at Going There, the podcast. And it also means so much to us if you subscribe to our podcast and shared it with a friend. Talk to you soon. Bye.